electricity, a big idea that's inspired countless new ones. From powering the light bulb to virtually powering our entire lives. 30 years ago, State Street launched the Spider S&P 500 ETF, SPY. A big idea that inspired the world to invest differently. And still does. What can you do with SPY? Before investing, consider the funds, investment objectives, risks, charges, and expenses. Visit SSGA.com for a prospectus containing this and other information. Read it carefully before investing. SPY is subject to risks similar to those of stocks. All ETFs are subject to risk, including possible loss of principal. Alps Distributors, Inc. Distributor. It's Jim Cramer here. You're listening to the opening bell of CNBC's Squawk on the Street. Don't miss a minute of the action. Good Thursday morning. Welcome to Squawk on the Street. I'm Carl King today with Jim Cramer, David Faber at Post 9 of the New York Stock Exchange. Four straight S&P record highs. The bulls will shoot for five as Q4 GDP crushes estimates up 3-3. Street was looking for two, even as the price index drops to the lowest level in almost four years. Our roadmap begins with Tesla's tumble, though. The first of the MAG-7 to report, warning of, quote, notably lower vehicle volume growth in the year ahead. One analyst calling it a train wreck. Plus, the S&P 500 is heading for what would be its fifth straight record and GDP growth surging. It was a strong finish to 2023. We're going to discuss the outlook for rate policy. And we got a slew of other corporate results to get to as well this morning. Comcast, IBM, Blackstone, Union Pacific, Humana. We're also going to be joined by the CEOs of ServiceNow and Southwest Air. That'll be a bit later in the hour. Hmm. Actually going to begin with Tesla down sharply in the pre-market. The EV maker does post a quarterly miss, says it expects notably slower growth in 24. But on the call last night, Elon Musk did express some optimism. Tesla can become the market cap leader. I do see a path um, where where Tesla could one day be uh, the most valuable company in the world. Um, I do want to emphasize that is not an easy path and a very difficult one. But it is now on the set of possible outcomes. Jim, not a lot of downgrades today, but plenty of target trimming. Yeah, it, that path that he just referenced, he's not on right now. Uh, this was a combination of an existential and a cyclical crisis. Existential, because we do have the notion, David, that he would like two classes of stock, and he even talks about the rating agencies, ISIS, except for I used to call them ISS. Right, ISS. But he also talks about, look, incentives, you, what you need to have people buy cars. But then he's got Optimus, which is a fantastic video, by the way. But I end up thinking, uh, is there a crisis here or is it just a pause? Mm-hmm. And I'm not sure. Frankly, I'm not. Just going to take a while to figure it out? Well, because, I mean, you know, you to know, write in, this guy off. Not right there. They're creating the new platform, which is going to lead to the lower-priced EVs, right. but they're not there yet. They made a choice with the Cybertruck that may have really delayed that and is certainly a, a question mark in terms of strategy. Right, because demand is off the hook. Uh, use his phrase. David, you know, you, you get to these, the main, when I say the existential, uh, there's a moment in the, con- in the, con- the conference where he says, well, the Chinese car companies are really great. Uh, they will pretty much demolish most of the car companies in the world unless they're trade barriers. That I found daunting. That's right. daunting to have a, one of the best investors and inventors in history saying that the Chinese have an edge. Uh, I, I, David, throughout this, there are two, th- two skeins of thought. One is give us a chance. Okay, it's really going to happen. And then there's this other, like, you know, I think it's Westworld. Don't laugh. They're my friends. Uh, I think that well, that's uh, where we're he's discussing Optimus Robot, which right. we've enjoyed showing picture, uh, showing well, video of, of late. And he does talk about that. But that's the criticism, of course, 
uh, Jim, is that, yeah, it was all about the future and right. Optimus and full self-driving and AI, but it was not much at all in terms of granularity about no. actual demand and what's going to happen with margins and where price cuts are. I mean, when you come close to losing Dan Ives... You Dan know Ives you're had, in trouble. Whose target is still 315. He had his pink True. jacket on yesterday, which means the stock's supposed to go up. He will not be wearing that pink jacket anytime soon, is my I prediction. mean, but yeah, I mean, yes, to Carl's point, he's still positive. But we were dead wrong. You know, margin structure, fluctuating demand. We got a high-level Tesla long-term view, another train wreck conference call. I thought that, that was unfair to call Calls a train it a wreck. Category 4 hurricane around price cuts and lack of granularity, guidance and communication from Musk and Tesla. A bitter pill to swallow for the bulls. And then goes on at the end to say our near-term confidence in the story is shaken. But read, he it does, he read it by. But he is still... Still a bull, yeah. a bull still believes yeah, the long-term yeah. thesis is intact. Yeah, what we don't, we, we, the great untold story is that Mrs. Lincoln liked the play. <laughs> I mean, this was, this was one of those calls where you read it, you listen to it, you read it, and you just say, is it Dickens? Is it Stephen King? Is it Thackeray? Is it Shakespeare? David, there's no way that it's earnings in demand. So nothing, nothing. It just which one are you going with here, Jim, from that uh, from those choices? Well, I'll use a, I'll use a largely I'll use a uh, English the authors, wager. I believe. I'll use the wager. I mean, you know, I, or I'll, I'll use victory, uh, Conrad, because there's so many themes going on here that I find myself thinking uh, something that the late Roger Ailes once asked me. Are you nuts? <laughs> Um, let's let's take him at his word, Jim, that they are in the middle of two big growth cycles. Right. Are you willing to wait? Because he himself said, I'm sometimes an optimist when it comes to timelines. Well, he's out of the Magnificent Seven. I can't wait. Really? Oh, yeah. I mean, I mean, well, he shot first. I mean, what do you want me to say? I mean, he's, I, there's just no, he's Harry Luck. Okay, he's Harry Luck. He's out. Uh, seven Samurai, by the way. He's a total ripoff, by the way. Be, it's the six Samurai is what I'm going to say. Uh, now, if Lily passes, with Lily reports a good quarter, it's going to pass. It'd be Lily or uh, or uh, Broadcom, one or the other, right? Yes, absolutely. They're, they're on the come. Broadcom's touched with greatness. Nvidia. There is a moment, by the way, where he, where Musk admits that Nvidia is better than what he has, uh, and, and that's shattering. Uh, then there, you know, you default to like battery life and yep. solar, and yeah. it was it was all over the map, David. It was yep. stream of consciousness. It, you know who it was? Jeez, it was Absalom. Absalom was Faulkner. Ah, there you go, Faulkner. All right, you're coming back to these shores, at least, from the U.K. I think yeah. Absalom Absalom is one of the greatest books ever, but you have to read it in conjunction with the Bible. Do you th- would you be more constructive if he got the uh, ownership structure that he craves? Well, that was another great moment. I mean, he wants to have two classes of stock. Mm-hmm. David, there seems to be this sense, I don't know, you can, can, you, 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 you can go otherwise, that he sold too much stock for some reason, and now he wants the stock back. Well, it, but it's not about economics. And, of course, he did sell a that. lot of stock to fund the purchase of Twitter, without a doubt, which you were referring to there. Or, excuse me, X, thank you. Give it the program. Um, yeah, I'm sorry about that. That's right. But, um, but he does feel as though he wants a dual-class structure. He made it a little bit more clear than, than those t- series of tweets from a couple of weeks ago. I'm not looking for additional economics. I just want to be an effective steward of very powerful technology. And the or, reason I just sort of roughly picked 25 percent, right. he says, is it's not so much that I can control the company. So, you know, if I go bonkers, yeah. these are his words, then you could get rid of me. But 
it is essentially negative control. Right. We'll you, give him a level of control over he feels this developing technology, particularly as it relates to AI and Optimus, for example, and not allowing Optimus to become Westworld. And that's why he says he wants a dual class structure. Well, I, you know, David, I, I, I found myself thinking, well, what, what if he doesn't get it? Does he just go develop a new company? I mean, Carl, you, if, let's say Mark Zuckerberg said, listen, if I don't get a more stake, yeah, I'm out of here. I would be inclined to sell Meta. Uh, he has dual class. Well, I know that. I'm saying if he didn't get his way. <laughs> oh, got he, it. Okay. he didn't get his way and he said, listen, I'm out. Right. I'm not as, as positive on Meta. I find when you see something like this and at the same time you're like in front of the, these ISIS, it's problematic. It's a problematic call. I'm not saying it's the train. But ISS, it's Cat yes. four. I mean, Ives just went in. With you. He left out uh, a mistaken nuclear attack. I mean, that's he. The thermonuclear. I'm taking I'm eyes off the table. What I am saying is, it's not a train wreck. It's just a plea. It's a. It's a. It's a. It's a plea. It. it, it it's please. What, what's the it's here? Sorry. What's what's the it's it's to a get plea. the double class you know, oh, to, or to a, have more stock. Yeah. I mean, but what would the boardroom put me in the boardroom? Uh, I want double the stock, or I'll. Uh, well, which no, it means I want, that I want you to reclassify, and I want to get ten votes for each share that I uh, of a certain amount of my stocks that I have twenty five percent. Fair. Or I will leave. Fair. And I will take my AI and robots and bat and with me, or though we'll have an argument about the IP. And well, but you've, I'll start you spent a lot of time with them. You spent a lot of time. I did not spend a lot of time with them. I look forward to spending okay, more Andrew time. Okay, Andrew spent with them. a lot of time with him. Uh, Andrew spent, no, he didn't spend a lot of time with me. Okay, so nobody spent a lot of time no, with him. No, I spent some time with him, and I well, corresponded with, with him. him. Look, for I, some I don't want to be too glib here. This guy, if he, the next iteration could put him back in the seven. You mean this new Redwood crossover? I mean, jeez. Maybe two years away. Uh, well, maybe. I mean, uh, how, how long did, was the separation between Magnificent Seven and the remake? He, he does say he's often optimistic. Of course, we're still waiting for full self-driving, something he has promised for years. But he does admit that he's often optimistic. But Carly does say, what, 25, right? He's saying that maybe as soon as 2025. To begin production. Right? Shouldn't, yeah, we begin kill production. This, shouldn't we kill this break? All we've covered so far is Tesla. <laughs> I mean, what happens if we kill this break? I mean, it's it not like Comcast reported or anything. We got, come on, Check the that. digital transformation does not wait, Jim. Oh, then you, then you mean we're going to service now. Right. Oh, of course. I'm all in, Bill. Yeah. We are going to talk to the CEOs of ServiceNow uh, and Southwest later on today. ServiceNow, of course, as it rides the AI wave. We're going to get to, we're going to bang out as many names as we can. Humana, IBM, Comcast, uh, Northrop, the Rails, got a downgrade of Boeing. Take a look at the pre-market. We'll get started here after a short break. The most innovative companies are going further with T-Mobile for business. Tractor Supply trusts 5G solutions from T-Mobile. Together, we're connecting over 2,200 stores with 5G business internet, empowering AI so team members can match shoppers with the products they need faster. This is enriching customer experience. This is Tractor Supply with T-Mobile for Business. Take your business further at tmobile.com slash now. What's on the horizon for financial markets? At PGIM, it's a question that over 1,400 investment professionals relentlessly research in pursuit of your long-term goals. Specialized across asset classes, but united in collaboration, our teams provide global and local expertise. Our investments shape tomorrow, today. Pursue your tomorrow with PGIM, a leading global asset manager. 
ServiceNow subscription revenue climbing for the fourth quarter and the company raising fiscal year guidance. Company seeing, and I'm going to quote this, strong appetite for generative AI and momentum in the space. Bill McDermott, ServiceNow, perhaps the conference call that I've never seen more analysts love. I, the congratulations were effusive. It's joining us now. Bill, thank you for coming on Squawk on the Street. Thank you, Jim. Thank you very much for having me. All right, let's get right to it. There are a lot of pretenders out there, Bill. There are pretenders who use the term AI. They throw it around Mm -hmm. as if it's something that they need to move their stock. I think you, if I can tell right, there may be a billion dollars in revenue that came from AI in this quarter for you. You are not a pretender. Tell us how you're doing it. Uh, We're definitely not a pretender, Jim. We were the first mover in actually bringing domain-specific LLMs, large language models, to the ServiceNow platform. We had this product on the market for just a little over a quarter, and it has outperformed every other product that we have ever brought to market. And, you know, what's happening out there is companies realize that they need an intelligent platform for end-to-end digital transformation. This platform is doing the job for great companies like Visa, where they want a five-year strategic alliance to transform their payment services using Gen AI solution for end-to-end dispute resolution. And I can go on with EY and many other companies like Chipotle and others. It's just been an amazing, amazing uptake in our business. Well, you know, Bill, a lot of times also I hear people saying, look, it helps productivity. You've got actual use cases. I, I'm going to give you a, a, a choice here. You can talk about the German appliance company. You can give me Visa. You can give me Telco. You can give me banks. But you're actually talking about dispute resolutions. You're talking about concrete things that AI is doing that free up other people to be more productive. I need some examples. Yeah, exactly. So if you think about Siemens, they're transforming their employee experience using Gen AI to boost productivity so the cases in HR can be resolved by the system, not tie people up on 800 lines. Um, If you think about um, companies like EY, you know, they have 400,000 employees and they have to manage governance and risk. They're using specific use cases on the ServiceNow platform to do that. So everything we do is tied to very specific examples. If you look at banking, banking right now, if you think about integrated risk management, managing an MRA process, these are very detailed, specific Gen AI use cases. You know, and people do it right, they get promoted. People do it wrong, they get fired. So the, the work that we're doing has a profound impact on the performance of companies. And I always said that this would be jet fuel injected into an already high-performing engine. You know, no company in our class has performed like ServiceNow, not only beating our guidance, but doing so at the highest form of the highest consensus on Wall Street. And we're performing at the rule of 55, you know, between revenue growth and free cash flow, and no other company in the world is doing that at our scale. No, I wish I could. I mean, it, that's the superlative that the analysts focus on. And, of course, that's absolutely right. I mean, 27.5 RPO uh, growth, $18 billion run rate at the end. These are numbers I, I, you were talking about when, when it started. I mean, I don't know if it even had a bit, $1.8 billion. But I do, I keep, when I continue to draw down, there are customers that you want. You want the federal government. It seems like you almost own the federal government. You want defense. That's you. You want 
uh, telco. That's you. You had 23 out of yeah. 24 banks coming in. I was very disappointed that you didn't have a 24th bank. You got that. <laughs> and you got Visa. But the most important one that you just, frankly, just dropped in there out of nowhere is AWS. Will you please flesh that out for us? That may be the most important deal you have. Yeah, you know, it's amazing, Jim. Uh, great companies like uh, Amazon slash AWS are realizing the importance of service now. And their customers are asking them to have service now in the AWS marketplace. And as of this month, customers are able to uh, choose ServiceNow in the AWS marketplace and do so with the same performance as you would get out of ServiceNow's cloud. So we really have great partnerships with wonderful companies like Microsoft, Amazon, and many others. And I think what's happening is it's truly becoming a standard. ServiceNow is a platform that is becoming a standard because these enterprises are so messed up with legacy technology and these CEOs don't have time to think it over again and rip and replace things. So we just reside above the chaos and we give people an unbelievable experience because they upload their data into the ServiceNow platform they optimize their processes and their execution, and then we apply generative AI on the use cases that really matter. And right now, we're getting anywhere between a 40 and a 52% increase in productivity on generative AI on the ServiceNow platform, which is lights out fantastic. Hey, Bill, uh, just going to wrap up here, though, to sort of come back to the call itself uh, and the demand environment. You know, I think your COO said in, in sort of discussing the demand environment, it continues to still be tough. We're not ready to say that things have improved significantly. Obviously, also saying how relevant your platform is. But so give me a give me a little more feel as to why your COO said that. Well, I think what he was really referring to is in the environment today, and I just consider it a new norm. I don't think it's anything especially good or uh, otherwise. It's really a new normal where strategic platforms that are chosen in major corporations around the world will have several different approval processes, and that will very often include the CEO. So the cycle time for significant transactions is longer than it used to be. But that is really the new norm, and I don't think that's ever going back to um, you know, fast transactions just because digital transformation is hot. This is a world that now needs clear value, and if the value's there, they buy. In line what's with really the, interesting, well, what's it's really in interesting with, with what we get from, from uh, the best, from Palo Alto, we get that from, uh, from Salesforce. This is the new normal, and I think you need to talk about that because other people keep expecting things to return. Yeah, exactly. And, you know, Jim, I sit down with major, you know, just coming off of Davos, sitting down with major manufacturers of very large companies, and I tell them the ServiceNow story. And in some cases, they really don't know anything about it. But when they hear it, they immediately invite me in to meet them and their management team to go through the possibilities. So any place right. we land... We absolutely expand, and we're a growth company, and we've never been hotter than we are right now, and I'm okay. real confident. All right, so, Bill, we do have to go, but I, I want to do something for David Faber, if you can confirm this. I understand that there are activists who are actually coming to you uh, before they target a company saying, what should the company look like? <laughs> <laughs> That's true. Um, it is true. Lots of, <laughs> it is true. Lots of people are coming to us because they are absolutely blown away by the business model. You know, you're looking at a company 
with 10 billion ACV now, uh, as you rightfully said, Jim, 18 billion RPO growing at the rule of 55 and people like, how you doing it? You're growing, you're expanding your margins, you have 99% renewal rate, which is the highest in the right. world. How are you guys doing it? And by the way, Jim, I want to thank you um, because I did hear you say you believed in ServiceNow and you believe ServiceNow is going to deliver a great quarter. So you, David, and Carl know ServiceNow well, and I thank you guys uh, for the confidence. That's very kind. Thank you, Bill. I am all in with Bill. It was an amazing conference call, an amazing quarter. And Bill, thank you. There's no existential crisis when it comes to your quarter, all right? You got it. We're going to keep winning. Right. We want to win. Thank you, Bill. Thank you so much. You Bill really McDermott said, Thank you. You talked about yeah. this yesterday. He decided to deliver an upside surprise because I said he had to. <laughs> okay. When we come back, uh, we're going to switch gears, talk a bit about Boeing's and Max problems then and now. This is what Southwest Gary Kelly had to say about them back when he was CEO in 2019. We're not happy about our situation. Um, you know, we put... We put our future in the hands of Boeing and the MAX, and we're grounded. Every pilot in our airline is expert on the 737. So there's a lot of advantages, not just efficiency, but just safety advantages to being devoted to one aircraft type. I'm not saying we're going to change. I'm simply acknowledging that that's something that will need to be reviewed. Successor Bob Jordan about their max delivery plans, the earnings on a day where we also get American and ALK when Squawk on the Street comes back. The most innovative companies are going further with T-Mobile for Business. Together with Delta, we're putting 5G into the hands of ground staff so they can better assist on-the-go travelers with real-time information. From the Delta Sky Club to the Jet Bridge, this is elevating customer experience. This is Delta with T-Mobile for Business. Take your business further at tmobile.com slash now. He's got to keep it short. It's a mad dash. We've got an opening bell less than a minute away. What are you hitting? I like to use pop cultural references with you and Carl because it brings people home. At one point in, in the song after, after the gold rush, Neil Young says, and the archer split the tree. Little did we know he was speaking about Tim Archer, the CEO of Lamb Research, who delivered 10, 10 analysts raising their price targets because he is now making, yes, semiconductor capital equipment that has to do with AI and NVIDIA. Yes, yes, he is doing NVIDIA, and he's such a great guy. He lost like a billion and a half dollars if they took away his business in China. resides with Lamb Research. It's something we still do in this country besides make cereal and popcorn. Let's get the opening bell here in the CNBC Real-Time Exchange. At the big board, it is Latin Finance and Latin America's top issuers celebrating their deals of the year. At the NASDAQ, a biotech company CG Oncology going public under CG Oh, and Jim, as we're not quite back to 4901, where we got about this time yesterday. No, and I saw Ed Yardeni starting to talk about maybe it's happening too quickly, and Ed is probably the hottest uh, analyst out there, and also probably the nicest analyst, to be honest. Look, I, I think that we seem to, nothing seem, seems to hurt this Teflon market. Uh, Boeing, it, it's so bad, and at the end of the day, you figure someone's going to re it by. Uh, I think that it's time to 
uh, kind of think about maybe that there are things you should be more worried about. I know we're going to talk about Humana. Humana may be the worst quarter. It's not the it's not the uh, disaster du jour. It may be the di- disaster du week. I think the Mizuho uh, headline was Holy Humana. Uh, yeah. Stock was down 16% pre-market. Yeah, it's, it's cut its losses. It's only down about 10%. But let's not forget, last week the stock got crushed yeah. because they told us their medical cost uh, loss ratio was going to be higher. They had more people uh, towards the end of the year getting hospitalized, particularly elderly. That raised their costs. And so here we are today getting earnings and a significant uh, degrading of their ability to earn money both this year and perhaps next year as well. Let's give you some of the specifics here. Yeah. Um, you know, they did see, uh, again, it wasn't RSV, they say. It was, no. they're still investigating, frankly, what exactly was behind this increased terms of cost, but the elevated medical costs are an industry dynamic, they say not specific to them, and they do expect they may persist for an extended period, perhaps even reset the baseline. They go on to say, listen, we're going to do around 16 bucks. Now, I, I, I was never 34. A couple of investors who say, all right, they're going to do better than 16 yeah. this year, most likely. That said, they talk about those higher costs persisting, Jim. Uh, and then they talk about what they can grow off of that, but it's not going to be anywhere near the $37 a share that they had been estimating for 2025. They do have the intent, they say, to deliver six to 10 bucks of EPS growth, adjusted EPS growth, 25 over 24. But again, 37, that seems less likely. Right. Uh, although, uh, frankly, the 16 may be a bit low, but you're seeing the adjustment yeah. in the stock price as a result. Let me, share one, let me share one data point with you. They bought back $400 million with the stock in the first two weeks of this year. Bill advised. They buy back a roughly a billion a year. They bought back 40% of their stock in the first two weeks. Did they not know? Did they not know okay. what was going on? I didn't, I was going because right. if they knew what was going on, and that they were going to be warning and then reporting this number and lowering guidance. Why in the world would they have bought back $400 million worth of stock in the first two weeks of the year? That's why I bring it up, because it's as shocking uh, a shortfall as I've ever seen. And David, may we go back to Mr. Arbitrage you that when PayPal was in trouble, they turned to Pinterest. It was one of those out-of-body ideas. Do you remember the Cigna? Do I remember it? I reported on it, obviously, saying that large shareholders story. in Cigna were very much against it. We're going to vote it down if they had the opportunity. They were encouraging David Cordani to abandon it, and it's a good thing he did. Yes. If he had persisted in that deal, he would have lost the job. But they were, do you think some people, eyes askance, not saying it myself, believe that perhaps the stock, they were trying to keep it up in order to do a deal with Cigna? Maybe. I would never, I would Maybe. never say that. The, 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 the big opposition I heard was in the relative multiples. Cigna trading roughly 10 times. Humana had been at 16 times. How is a 16 multiple deserved for Humana when Elevance a company that you just saw is very well run, apparently, right. trades it 11 times. I don't know. This was a whole thing was a mystery. Although I will tell you, David, we got out of it for the Chapel Trust at 11. It just didn't seem right. There was just, when they go, when a company decides to mer- try to merge with someone and they float the, top, the trial balloon, Carl, and it's so out, so out, off the rails, that's a good time to go. Just go. That said, Jim, there is a belief that you need to provide services to keep seniors out of the hospital. So if you have a big Medicare Advantage business, you'd want to link it with those services. They don't have that. 
but there had been a view somehow that Cigna needed Humana more than Humana needed Cigna. You got it. Uh, we'll see if it ever comes back in some fashion or not. But Humana needs services potentially to lower, again, to keep that loss ratio lower, keep these people out of the hospital. Well, meantime, Deutsche just cuts to hold. Uh, they are going with 15 times $24 versus that 37. Yeah, the versus 37 David was just That's mentioning. That's unbelievable. So yeah. We just cut. I mean, they have no faith, in, although the 16 seems low. But, I, you know, I, I have Medicare Advantage, and I, I got to tell you, it covers a percentage that Medicare doesn't. I regard it as cheap and well worth it. Uh, basically, I'm hosing them. That's a technical term. You're not. They're being hosed. you're not thankfully getting admitted to the hospital, so you're fine. No, I just think that this is a disaster of, of proportions that, Carl, it is very hard to find a company that, even in a couple of weeks, guided down horrendous from what they said a couple of weeks you know, ago. That, that chart, it's hard to see. I mean, we're talking about a stock that it was just a week ago. They only... It was last week that we had the just big fall. Uh, Humana and Tesla, the biggest laggards this morning. Uh, yeah. UNH is in there as well. On the upside, Jim, uh, Americans helping out, and IBM, which I know you talked about last night. Uh, I love the IBM quarter. I mean, they're talking about AI, t- uh, technology AI at scale. We've been recommending a stock really pushing it since 160. Thank you, Ben Righteous at Melius, who's probably by far the most informed on this. The cash flow here is monstrous. Uh, they're doing so many right things, and they, and they still are willing to lay people off. If they I don't think that their margin focus, this stock goes higher. Arvind Christian is doing an amazing job. He he is buying these little companies as tuck-ins, not doing anything nutty. But I would call them uh, if I had a big AI job to be sure that I was on the right track. It's very, very impressive quarter. Really impressive. Look at that move. Deserving. It's a serious move. Cash flow is monstrous here. Yeah, the free cash flow is strong. Not strong. It's, It's monstrous. 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 Ah. Yeah, monstrous. Like the demolition derby in uh, that was in Tesla. How did he say that they're going to demolish? The Chinese car companies demolish the industry? Well, unless we get erect enough trade barriers to well, keep them out. Yeah, I mean, look at Mexico. They've captured, what, 30% of Mexico. What are you looking at? Um, Blackstone? Sounds going to go well, there. Well, we always do forget that Berkshire has a $750 billion market value. I know. When we talk about the biggest market values, I've just taken a look to see if Broadcom had overtaken Tesla in market value. You want to put, you um, want to put uh, Berkshire Hathaway? No, in the I'm not putting. No, no, of course not. They're like the head of the village. That not, guy invited the right. deal Brenner. In. I'm just talking about you Ethan know the, 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 the Max Seven also is typically the the seven largest market caps, right. um, but does not include. You, Ethan Hawke was the only guy who really shown really in the 20, 2016 remake of a Magnificent Seven. I don't, didn't see it. <laughs> didn't even know they re, remade it. Jesus Did you know they remade it? Carl knows everything about that. Oh uh, Jim. They remade the Magnificent yes, Seven? Yes, they did. Well, how come you never talk about that one? It wasn't that good. <laughs> um, well, Amazon just remade Roadhouse, so everybody's uh, reaching uh, into Amazon, the Amazon, there's a fabulous note today. I mean, of course, there's a note every day about how great Amazon is, but a lot of people are thinking this is going to be a blowout quarter. Uh, Amazon Web Services is doing well, but it's Amazon advertising that's the star. And I go back to my interview with Andy Jassy, uh, CEO. They are they're the winners in this in this Temu Shein. I mean, they've got Shein. You can order, go to Shein, and it says, listen, maybe available in 10 to 12 days. Same product. You go on Amazon, comes the next day. There's some, uh, there's some headlines this morning that the Shein IPO prospects are dimming somewhat. Wasn't that something? Yeah. Wow. That flies in the face of my newfound love of 
Chinese real estate. Oh, really? It's dimming? We spent all that time on Sheehan, and they're not going to come they're on. They're trying to lower expectations. That's a that's a U-Pod situation, But there are David. apparently some uh, some shareholders who are willing to take less to, to monetize now prior to right. wait, at least in terms of waiting. David, Guys, Prime uh, Video Advertising. What? Prime Oop. Video Advertising. We spent a lot of time talking about Netflix advertising. Prime, Prime Video Advertising, very good. Yes, and Amazon is an advertising juggernaut, as we know. What do they do? Forty-four billion or something? It's They're, unbelievable. But they did double that. Not in Amazon Prime, web by, services. By the way, it's double in Amazon web services. All that stuff you're clicking on is ads, basically, on the Amazon but platform. They're focused. There's no existential crisis to Andy Jassy. No, no, no he's just, yeah, they're just crushing it. All right, real quick, guys. Uh, I got to do Comcast stocks up three point seven percent. Can I get a woohoo? Well, I want to look at it right now to see if that's going still back the case. almost to Labor Day. Uh, in yeah, terms of the forty-five highs. bucks. Well, look at that, man. Um, subscriber numbers were good. Margins, I thought, were a little light based on expectations. They set the bar pretty low. This was, by the way, the conference call just had it had CFO Jason Armstrong on it. It had Dave Watson, Comcast Cable CEO. It had uh, Brian Roberts talking about. Uh, you tweeted, uh, you X this or tweeted this, Carl, about hey, speculation about consolidation, saying. I love the company we have. And it had Kavanaugh on advertising. It had everybody on that no, call. Every line, I mean, look, they all look, showed up. There's some really great lines. You want to go into the different lines? Because the lines, some of these lines were very good. No, I don't really want to do that. Well, you don't? Well, no. no you have what, to. What lines attracted well, uh, you? theme Jim? park's record adjusted theme EBITDA. Fantastic. Right. It's an amazing uh, business. Uh, number one uh, worldwide box office. Uh, that was uh, Three terrific. of the top five films. Uh, I, I have to tell you that uh, our business didn't hurt anything. Didn't hurt people. That's about the best you can say for us. Well, I'll take it. Advertising was almost in line for media. But what I really love about this, Carl mentioned the theme parks, but you know, it's just the the desire to return capital and not mentioned in this part, but I haven't been on the call. The money coming from Hulu. What well, are we from, thinking? No, from Disney. What do we think? From Disney. We uh, we'll see. For Hulu. I think there's an expectation more 15? will be coming beyond 15? the not an additional 15. No, but value no. that. Right. Well, that would be 45 overall. Possible. Not so, inconceivable. Unlikely, perhaps. Well, uh, this is obviously the process by which Hulu the, uh, will be valued by two different investment banks. And if they're 10% different, then you get a third that weighs in. And then Disney will owe an additional beyond what was it? The, no. Was it 7.6 building? Right. Yes. And what did you think about the domestic, domestic broadband increase? You know, 6.4 from 6.1. I thought we were supposed to, we, I thought we were supposed to be uh, declining in domestic program. We did okay. It was good. I'm happy with it. Yeah. Yeah. This was a we're good still order. losing video customers, as we all know. Don't be so self-effacing. Not as many as uh, they thought, right? Yes. There we go. Estimate was uh, 61K. Look at that. If I were them, I'm going to propose something right here, right now. If I were them, David, when I look at the theme park, you know what they need to do? Uh, uh, New Mexico. New Mexico. You're right. New Mexico. You got to come up with some new. Well, new I mean, Chicago. <laughs> if you're gonna put one in Chicago, I mean, come on. New Mexico. I mean, baby. David. How about Winslow, Arizona? Sure. Why not? I, I, Tacoma. So France, San Francisco, L.A., <laughs> Northern California. Oh God, the Eagles. <laughs> the good Eagles. Yes. The winning Eagles. Meantime, uh, Southwest Airlines shares rallying here, going back to levels from last August as uh, profits top estimates on strong holiday travel. Let's get to Phil LeBeau with a special guest. Morning, Phil. Good morning, Carl. Let's bring in Bob Jordan, CEO of Southwest Airlines, joining us from the company's headquarters in Dallas. Bob, thank you very much. I appreciate you joining us this morning. Um, let's talk about the fourth quarter before we get into the max. You beat on the top and the bottom line, and it's your guidance for the first quarter and this year. 
you guys are looking to grow, but at a much more judicious pace in terms of adding capacity, correct? Phil, that's right. And hey, we miss having you here in Dallas, my friend. Uh, we had a great 2023 uh, record operating revenues, record passengers, record loyalty uh, revenues. We uh, got our winter operations preparedness in place. Uh, I'm just very proud of our folks. We, we re restored the, the network and got all of our fleet flying. And so just a ton of progress. We actually, uh, uh, with no doubt, we ended 2023 a better company than we started. As you look at this uh, next year, 2024, uh, I think we have a great plan. Uh, we're going to focus on uh, our financials. That's the one place where we are lagging. Uh, we have uh, a really good plan that uh, has double-digit increases in operating revenues. Uh, we expand our operating margins, and we cover our cost of capital in our plan. And that will be the absolute focus. You asked about our ongoing plans, uh, obviously, uh, as we look at things like CapEx and capacity, we will take our progress against our long-term financial goals into account as we think about those things. Let's talk about the fleet, Bob, because you guys announced today that you are taking the Max 7 off of your plan for deliveries this year. You're going to take fewer Maxes. Obviously, everybody knows the story of the FAA restricting Boeing's ability to grow Max production. Do you really think you're going to get the Max 7, which hasn't even been certified? Do you really think you're going to get it next year, or do you have to push it out even further? You know, we're going to take uh, one year at a time here. We just want to plan prudently. And that means uh, for, for me and for us, uh, taking the Max 7 and putting that into 2025 at the earliest. So not counting on it in 2024. Of course, if we don't take a Max 7, we'll take a Max 8. We'll work with Boeing. You know, the MAX 8 is a great aircraft, and uh, obviously Boeing has a lot of work to do. Uh, this is unfortunate, but uh, like Boeing, we support the work with the FAA, the FAA oversight, because at the end of the day, it's going to make uh, Boeing a better company. It's going to improve quality, and Boeing being a better company is really good for Southwest Airlines. See you. Uh, talk about Dallas for one second. Uh, you did win the division. Uh, but you were not out in the first round of the playoffs. Uh, and what I do want to point out is, is that you came here and you told us that you would have healthy leisure demand. I didn't believe it. You told us that your loyalty program was going to kick in instantly. I thought that that was actually fatuous. Uh, and you were going to manage business bookings much better. And you did every one of these things. How were you able to do it, accomplish it in three months? Well, you know, the, the product is really good. Southwest Airlines has a terrific product, and we've made a lot of progress in 2023, and we intend to end 2024 an even better company as well. The demand for the product is really good. Again, record operating re re uh, revenues, record passengers, record rapid awards, loyalty program revenues, and we see that strength continuing into the first quarter. Uh, our network changes uh, really go into effect in March, but I really believe that we will see a profitability inflection point in March. But no, sitting here today, demand for the first quarter is strong. And if you look at March, we are ahead of normal bookings. So uh, no, demand for Southwest Airlines is very strong. You're talking about 1.5 billion in incremental profits because uh, of these initiatives. That's an extraordinary figure, Bob. I, I, I don't know how, how do you do that? How do you, how does that work? Well, we had a set of initiatives that uh, we have carried forward, things like uh, GDS, uh, more, more business uh, traffic. And then we've added to that a new set of things, primarily network optimization, 
which is worth, uh, you know, two-thirds of the revenue increases. So if you look at the initiatives that we're delivering before you add on top of that things like the network optimization, which is very powerful. It's about matching the network to the demand. That adds up to an incremental pre-tax profit contribution of $1.5 billion uh, here in 2024, and I'm very confident that we can hit those numbers. Uh, Bob, it's Phil again. I, I want to get back real quick to, to the, the MAX discussion and deliveries from Boeing. You trim the number of MAXs that you expect to get this year. You originally said 85. Now you're coming back to 79. Are you confident that you're going to get those 79, or do you think you may have to trim that further this year uh, if there continue to be questions about uh, Boeing's uh, ability to manufacture and deliver as planned? Well, the good thing about our order book with Boeing, which I'm really pleased that we put a, a long-term new order book in place, is that there's a lot of flexibility. We can flex up, we can flex down. I think we just want to manage very prudently in an, an environment like this and uh, plan against what we are confident that we can receive. That's what we did in 23. That's what we'll do again here in 24. You know, there were news last night that Boeing is going to uh, be capped in terms of raising its production rate. Uh, by the FAA uh, until further notice. Uh, that's new news. Uh, we don't know if there is an impact on our delivery plan. If any, we'll work with Boeing. And as always, if there's an adjustment, we will adjust. Uh, but again, I support that because anything that uh, helps Boeing uh, improve quality, uh, address the issues is good for Boeing and it is good for Southwest Airlines. Uh, you guys, guys, you've always flown 737s. Does it matter to the customer what's happening in terms of the MAX, or do you think this is one of those? Obviously, it matters to the people immediately after that incident with Alaska Airlines. But long term, is there a, a, a residual carryover uh, yeah, in, in terms of people saying, eh, I'm not real crazy about getting on a, a 737 MAX? You know, obviously, uh, our, our customers want confidence uh, in our product, and uh, they have a lot of confidence in Boeing, just like I do. The uh, 737 has a very long and storied history around safety. At Southwest Airlines, we have a very strong technical operations function that assures the quality of the product that is delivered to us and then ensures the ongoing quality of the product. So uh, safety is number one here at Southwest Airlines. We take that very seriously, and I feel very good about uh, our programs at Boeing and our programs uh, after delivery to ensure safety. Uh, obviously, uh, Boeing improving, improving quality, addressing the issues is good uh, for their brand and the way our customers think about the aircraft, which means it's good for Southwest Airlines. Uh, but no, I have confidence in, again, uh, the, the, the MAX 8 is a terrific aircraft. I have confidence that well, Boeing will address the issues and uh, our customers have uh, a lot of faith in Southwest Airlines. Hey, Bob, real quick, we've got to wrap up with the inflection point in terms of profitability in March. What, what's the catalyst there? It's really the network optimization changes that we put in place. The demand trends are very different than they were pre-COVID. Things like reducing Tuesday-Wednesday traffic, reducing the shoulder periods of the day, so the very early and very late flights, basically putting the flights where the demand is. Those adjustments are largely in place in March. And then they are fully in place in the summer, which is why I expect to see an inflection point in March in terms of profitability. Uh, and uh, again, looking at the first quarter, and it's early, 
Our uh, demand is very strong. Bookings in place are strong. Bookings in place for March are actually ahead of typical norms. Uh, so I do expect an, an inflection point in our profitability here in March as those network adjustments uh, come to fruition. Wonderful. Hey, Bob, thank you very much for joining us. Next quarter, I'm with you there in Dallas. Bob Jordan, CEO of Southwest Great. Airlines. We, we expect you back. Thank you. I will be Thank there. You so much. I will be there. Guys, I'll send it back to you All at right. the mothership. It's so great when nice guys do really well. <laughs> it's just a really nice guy. Uh, Phil, thanks so much. Uh, before we go to break, let's check bonds. It's been a busy day, not just with our own uh, GDP print, but the ECB did hold steady. Of course, uh, PCE's on the way tomorrow. Two's tens uh, now back to 20 basis points. Uh, Dow's up 130, and we'll uh, wait really for the headline uh, data point of the week tomorrow. Be right back. It's time for Jim and stop trading. Yeah, um, we, we got to mention some of the industrials here. Uh, Jim Fiddling, rabbit out of the hat, unbelievable quarter. Dow uh, and going to be better. Came in hot December. January is even better. Uh, tremendous uh, confidence in the dividend can go up. Uh, buyback is great. Fiddling is terrific executive. We did not mention the rails. There were some people who said CSX, Joe Hendricks didn't do a good job. But he's on the next quarter. It was an amazing job. I think it was terrific quarter. And watch out, coal. Coal's still going. Mm. And then Union Pacific, again, tour de force. So three industrial companies with with just amazing numbers, and we should applaud them because it's not really at the time for them to do very well. Yeah, some of the operating ratio numbers weren't as strong as some thought. And no, by the way, true. Wells cut DuPont, and there's been some oh, other. Well, DuPont was just terrible. Okay, and Dow did not do nearly as bad as DuPont. Uh, I, I, I've got to tell you, I just like these industrials that come through at a time when we've had. We, a tightening that is supposed to destroy them. Dow should have been destroyed. And the old Dow, I think, would have been losing money. This Dow's making a lot of money. A big pay, by the way, uh, I was always worried about the unfunded pension. I take that off the table. They're using, the, there's a non-cash charge to it, which makes the quarter not look that good. But it really lowers dramatically the, the unfunded pension. Uh, Jim Fiddling is excellent CEO. Excellent. Jim, what are you going to tackle tonight? Okay, I've got ResMed, and this is one of, one of these uh, Mick Farrell terrific guys. I mean, this is going to be one of those. GLP-1, is it really uh, attacked by them, or is it doing fine and good numbers? And I can't wait. I sent you guys a particular a picture of a Prague museum that I went to. I'm not sure it actually will make it this quarter, but you'll see it next quarter that I think will be for David's segue. Um, and, and, David, I think you're going to want to call. This is a TV term. Call for this picture when you see. Can't make it out there. It's a, oh, I see what it is. It's, it, a pe it's a peacock. It's the most beautiful peacock I've ever <laughs> yes, seen. It's a peacock. This peacock is up literally. It's up fifty percent from when I was in Prague. <laughs> it's a long tail that peacock. Yes, it's got a long, long tail. Long tail. Long tail. You'll see it next well, time. We need our thirty-one million peacocks. Done. We need that in the shop. Done. No, no, I got thirty-one million. This Prague exhibit was incredible. Did, did he also sign up to watch the Chiefs game? <laughs> uh, yeah, and didn't cancel the day after, like a <laughs> lot of the jokers turn off. Uh, Jim, we'll see you at six. Uh, busy day, uh, mad money tonight. When we come back, some more reaction to Tesla's miss. Uh, stock now at a six-month low, uh, back to one eighty-nine. We're back in a minute. You've been listening to the opening bell on CNBC's Squawk on the Street. 
All opinions expressed by the Squawk on the Street participants are solely their opinions and do not reflect the opinions of CNBC, NBC Universal, or their parent company or affiliates, and may have been previously disseminated by them on television, radio, internet, or another medium. You should not treat any opinion expressed on this podcast as a specific inducement to make a particular investment or follow a particular strategy, but only as an expression of an opinion. Such opinions are based upon information Squawk on the Street participants consider reliable, but neither CNBC nor its affiliates and or subsidiaries warrant its completeness or accuracy, and it should not be relied upon as such. To view the full Squawk on the Street disclaimer, please visit cnbc.com forward slash Squawk on the Street disclaimer. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com.